This is The Drunk Projectionist. The scene, New York City, 1971. Skyscrapers, movie marquees, tough streets. The sound? Ah, damn. I don't need to say anything else, do I? The first time we see Detective John Shaft, he's striding up the subway steps with a look of extreme confidence. He's wearing a knee-length leather jacket and a steely look. For the longest time, director Gordon Parks didn't know who would play Shaft. His son, Gordon Parks Jr., told him he knew a guy, a guy named Richard Roundtree. The elder Parks was skeptical. When he met Roundtree, Parks quizzed him. And I said, do you know what a screen test is? He said, no. I said, you ever acted? No. I said, well, my son wants you to be shaft. So we laughed. Parks died in 2006. This audio is courtesy of the Walker Art Center. Parks spoke there in 1996. And Richard had made up his mind right then and there that he was not going to get the part. Well, I said, you go to lunch, here are some lines, and when you come back, we're going to read these lines to you, and you're going to react to them. So we put a fake mustache on him, uh, a sterling sweater, and put a gun holster over his shoulder. And we asked him questions. Convinced he wasn't going to get the part, Roundtree didn't try to act. He just responded naturally to Parks feeding him lines, which turned out to be exactly what the director wanted. After Roundtree's screen test, Parks phoned a studio boss in California. I think I found Shaft. The boss man also dug Roundtree. When it opened, Shaft was revolutionary. Shaft, hotter than Bond, cooler than Bullet. Rated R. If you want to see Shaft, ask your mom. Here was a black detective who didn't take crap from anyone, especially the white man. My name is Lawrence Pressman, and I was in the groundbreaking movie Shaft, playing Tom, who was a plainclothes police officer and a racist dick. What time you got, Tom? 8.16. Well, I played every asshole, white, racist, guys in the time. It was just amazing. You want me to go in? No, we'll wait. I look like a, a, a wasp. I'm not. The odd thing is I'm not. I'm a, I'm a white Jewish guy from who happened to be raised in a small town in Kentucky. But I looked like a baby-faced killer. Pressman's big scene happens early in the film. As the younger cop, he's been sent into the store to buy cigars for his partner and Shaft. But Shaft isn't playing. He doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want the man's cigar. As Pressman emerges from the store with the cigars, he asks Shaft, what's going on? Hey, where the hell are you going, Shaft? To get laid. Where the hell are you going? <laughs> After Shaft tells him off, Pressman mouths the F-bomb. That boy's got a lot of mouth on him. The white character, my character, behaves with frustration, exasperation, and hatred. Right, because your character goes back to his his partner and he says, you you got to know how to deal with that. you got to lean on that kind. You don't lean on that kind. That's exactly right. 
how to deal with that. <laughs> Aren't we still asking that question? Pressman is 81 now. He took the role of Tom for one reason. He admired Gordon Parks. One of the main reasons I did the movie was Gordon was directing it. I wanted to meet him. I wanted to, you know, touch the hem of his garment, as it were. Parks was born in Kansas. When he was 14, his mom died. Parks was sent to St. Paul, Minnesota to live with his sister. But soon, his brother-in-law booted him from the house. Parks didn't have anywhere to live. He was homeless. To survive, he rode the streetcars at night and bummed food from a janitor at school. Parks stuck around Minnesota for his 20s and his early 30s before striking out for Chicago and later New York City. For years, he worked as a fashion photographer at Vogue, which may be why he didn't hold it against Richard Roundtree for working as a fashion model. Here's Lawrence Pressman again. It was Gordon's choice to cast an heroic-looking guy, is it was the first time young black kids, and I know this was in Gordon's brain, could see a heroic version of themselves. Shaft cost about a million dollars to make. It raked in 16 times that amount of money in the first year. Park directed a sequel, Shaft's Big Score. Another director made another sequel, Shaft in Africa. But for Pressman, the memory of making Shaft remains bittersweet. It made a huge social impact at the time. It just didn't last. And I think the question we're all left with 50 years later is, why didn't it take? Why didn't it really take? For KFAI, I'm Todd Melvin. So the story you just heard included archival audio featuring director Gordon Parks. There's another archival interview that I want to share with you. It's from the Wichita State University Special Collections. Parks was born in Wichita, Kansas, and the library has an entire selection of Gordon Parks papers. The papers revealed that the William Morris Agency pushed Parks to cast Billy D. Williams as Shaft. Park wasn't crazy about the suggestion. He preferred an unknown. And as you know, he eventually cast a model, Richard Roundtree, as Shaft. The papers also include an interview with Parks. I'll include excerpts of that interview, on the Drunk Projectionist website. It's really, really terrific. You should hear what Parks has to say about James Bond. Next time on The Drunk Projectionist. The biggest fight was over Al Pacino. Al Pacino had not appeared in a movie before. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. The epic story of the making of The Godfather. He had filmed The Panic in Needle Park but nobody had seen it yet. So nobody thought Al Pacino could carry the role of Michael. I'll have an interview with author Mark Seal and his new book, Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli. <laughs> it's a terrific title. And one more thing before I go, I wanna mention a book cinema tour. I read a book about Fargo. It's called A Lot Can Happen in the Middle of Nowhere, The Untold Story of the Making of Fargo. So I'll be going around the country, appearing at local cinemas, where the cinemas are playing the movie Fargo. So you'll get to go and watch the movie Fargo, and then afterwards I'll 
you know, talk about the book and answer questions about Fargo. Okay, so here's the tour information. We're just going to run through it. It's 14 cities. It begins November 4th in Portland at the Hollywood Theater. November 6th, San Francisco at the Roxy Theater. November 7th, it's a Sunday morning in Long Beach, California at the Art Theater. Then I come home to Minneapolis on November 11th at the Heights Theater in Columbia Heights, followed by quick trips to Dallas and the Texas Theater, Tulsa and Circle Cinema, and Chicago and the Music Box Theater. Then it's off to Iowa City on November 18th. That will actually be on top of a building in downtown Iowa City, outside, possibly in the snow. Then in December, I'll be on the East Coast, uh, Philadelphia on December 2nd at the Bryn Mawr Film Institute, December 5th in Rhinebeck, New York, December 6th in Pleasantville, New York, December 9th in Boston, and I'll round out the trip with a visit to the Roxy Cinema in Tribeca. All right, check it out. The dates are on my website, toddmelby.com. Uh, see you next time on The Drunk Projectionist, and uh, definitely tune into the conversation that I'm going to be having with Mark Seal, the author of Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli. <laughs>